The BBC Good Food Show Summer returns to the NEC in Birmingham from Thursday the 16th to Sunday the 19th of June. And the big kitchen stage will once again host a star-studded list of top chefs cooking live. Joining the likes of Tom Kerridge, Michelle Rue Jr., James Martin and Dame Mary Berry is their brilliant straight-talking co-host of MasterChef, John Tarode. And I'm delighted he joins me on the line to look forward to the show. John, an exciting uh, event coming up what are you looking forward to most about the show well i, I think one of the great things is to be back at the nec mm. i mean you know it, it's amazing it's always an extraordinary atmosphere it's always full of people with big smiles on their faces it's always full of great producers whether that be you know from gin all the way through the chocolate brownies and <laughs> and also people get a chance to sort of sit in the theater and watch Maybe the people they like to watch on telly, but get up close and personal. <laughs> Getting up close and personal. Now, you're um, obviously used to doing uh, one-to-ones with the cameras, with you and Greg and the, and the people in the studio, but this is a few, you know, a few hundred, if not thousand people or more in the big kitchen. That's, uh, that's quite something, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's great. And I think that's what I mean is the fact that there's this wonderful atmosphere that goes with that. There's this great anticipation. And I won't be in the big kitchen by myself. Uh, I will be there with, with Lisa because um, we're going to be doing John and Lisa's Weekend Kitchen, which is obviously on ITV um, on the weekends. And uh, we're going to be sort of going through what we love to do on on our program, which is really go back to the sort of absolute basics and, and take those basics and, and just elevate them to make them a bit more exciting, but also make them very, very accessible. Mm. And that's what it's all about. So it's me and Lisa together, and it's going to be a brilliant show. And, yeah, I, I just say come along. <laughs> Does that mean you have to be on your best behaviour? Because I'm Lisa's always on there. my best behaviour. <laughs> well, I think the, wonder, the wonderful thing about Lisa and I is the way in which we work together. And, and you know, when you've got a pairing that works so well and it, we sort of bounce off each other, we're not scripted, we know what we're going to do, and we have our own things that we love to do and we, that we're, we're good at. And, you know, so I'll be cooking um, a steak, a proper steak, a big, thick, three-inch T-bone steak and wow. talking about how steaks work and what goes on and how to cook a piece of meat properly and understanding that because I think people find that really quite difficult. And I've always loved meat, whereas and Lisa's an amazing baker, an incredible baker. And so she'll be doing a classic tatatan and how to make a, a caramel easily, how to get your fruit nice and brown to make sure your puff pastry is lovely and crispy. And just do all the things, the little tips that will make everything that little bit easier and that little bit more accessible and means that when you do go home to cook it, it is going to work for you. Because mm. there's nothing more disappointing than seeing something and think, oh, I'm going to do that. And it doesn't work. <laughs> it's, in, it's interesting you mention steaks because so many people are frightened to death of cooking them because they're not, you know, to buy good meat is, is not cheap and you don't want to spoil it. But so many people are frightened of cooking steak, aren't they? Well, I think that's it. And I think there is a reason for that. And that's why I love to do this masterclass because it, it really is about the different cuts of the beef, how it works, what happens when it cooks. All those things that make the massive difference. And, and you know, I think people are also very, very scared of pastry. Mm. And that's why Lisa comes and demystifies all that as well. And, and it, you know, I, it took me a really long time to realize that people go to restaurants to eat food they don't cook at home or they can't cook at home. And the odd hobby cook will, of course, cook the, something like that and be very, very ambitious. But actually what people want to do is they want to be at home and relax and enjoy the food they cook around their friends and feel confident that it's going to work 
and and actually sit down and enjoy their friends and their food together and yeah. and that's what we, we i think we sort of we've done really and i love what we do together uh, you know my sort of chefy training and point of view lisa's sort of home world and how that works and she's really good at a cheat i mean she's some of the cheats and the tips she comes up with are absolutely – chefs could learn off it. I mean, they're so clever. We, we do put ourselves under a lot of pressure when we have dinner parties, formal or otherwise, don't we, about trying to replicate what happens in restaurants. And, of course, that's done by professionals, but you're absolutely right. We need to keep it simple and therefore spend that time enjoying the time with friends. Yeah, and I think the other thing you've got to remember about a restaurant is that there's not one person cooking that dish. Mm. There's a brigade of people cooking that dish. And there could be up to six different people cooking that dish. One person doing the vegetables, one person doing the fish, one person doing the garnish, one person doing the sauce, you know, and all these different people coming together to bring this one plate. Whereas when you watch, you're going to watch John, you know, John and Lisa together, as we're going to be seeing us on stage, I'm cooking a dish. Lisa's cooking a dish and we just want to show the world that actually you can cook a dish easily and, and the other thing we do is that we show that it should be easy well not yeah, easy is a very difficult word once you know how to do something it's always easy <laughs> isn't it like like you you being a broadcaster it sounds easy but it's quite difficult but but you know I, I think that that people sort of seeing the reality and, and the tips that make that just that a little bit easier and it makes it a little so you're relaxed yeah. Because I think that food also does something really interesting, and, I, and I've always maintained this, is that I think food is uh, sort of very, very similar to small children, in that if you sort of let it, it will muck up on you. and uh, But if you sort of control it a little bit, it'll be all right. <laughs> but you can't, you can't corral it too much, because if you corral it too much, then it'll become worse than the mucking up children. Do you know, does that make sense to you? What a it's, lovely it's, analogy, goes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it sort of all goes wrong. And, and I, you know, I think that we, you know, we do put ourselves under a lot of pressure. Um, and cooking at home for friends is a joyous thing. And opening a bottle of wine is, is a wonderful thing. And, you know, sitting around a table and chatting. So food should be easy. And what we do can sit around for, you know, 20, 30 minutes before you serve it. And, you know, you don't have to rush around and, and everything on time. Are you a tidy chef at home or is there havoc in your wake? <laughs> Uh, never havoc. No, 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 no. As a professional and as somebody who grew up in kitchens, um, my first job every morning was always to clean clean the cool room and clean my fridges. Um, and then everything was completely ordered and sorted out. Um, and then everything so that everything slots in and everything rotates and then everything's sort of in, in, in order. In fact, like my, I was having um, some dinner with my son last night, my oldest son. And um, my daughter has organised my iPhone so that each one of the app screens has got different colours. So one whole screen's blue, one whole screen's orange, one whole screen's black. So that it, all my apps are, are colour coded. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, well, I wonder where she got that organisation from. <laughs> um, because I, I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, glasses have to be in a row, you know, containers have to be in a row, food has to be in a row. Because as a professional, when you're working in kitchens, you know, it's got to be ordered because you're so, you can be very very frantic at times, mm, yeah. and you can't get otherwise you you know chaos is sort of like driving driving without knowing where you're going you, you you get lost, and once you get lost then you get in a fluster if you get in a fluster things start to go wrong and then it, you know you you lose your consistency and you got to remember the one thing about a restaurant is that your dish that you came and ate on Thursday should be the same dish as you eat next Saturday. And three weeks later, hmm. which means that it has to be ordered in exactly the same way. Because yeah. otherwise you're going to go in the restaurant and be disappointed. 
That is a good point, and we don't want to go to restaurants and be disappointed, for sure. Um, no. So, John, the summer is upon us, and uh, obviously cooking changes, ingredients change throughout the year. What are the sort of top three seasonal ingredients that excite you over the summer? Oh, well, I mean, I, I think one of the great things about doing the, the, the summer show as well is that people are going to be able to go out and see all these artists, artists and producers at their absolute finest. I mean, I love all things green. I think... So as a wonderful thing and I you know we're sort of just coming to the end of the asparagus season which for me is one of the most wonderful British producers in the produce in the world and and the Brits still you know as an Aussie and I'm very very proud Aussie I still say the Brits do the best raspberries in the world and they come out of Scotland I mean they are absolutely fantastic the best strawberries in the world and let's be fair they're revered and you know and, and sports events around the country and the best beef in the world uh, the beef is grass-fed, and it's absolutely amazing beef. It's really well looked after, especially when you got to start getting into to rare breeds. So for me, you know, soft fruit at this time of year, and there's plenty of it, is, you know, eat as much as you possibly can. Freeze some if you want to. Make jams if, you're, if your berries are a little bit past their use-by dates. And as we get to the end of the summer, you know, towards the end of July and August, a, a tomato is a fine, fine thing. And, you know, regardless of what anybody says, you take a tomato and you slice it quite thickly and you sprinkle it with a little bit of salt and you put it on white bread with lashings of butter and maybe a little sprinkle of vinegar and you've got yourself a, an Epicurean feast to behold. <laughs> I love <laughs> an Epicurean feast. I'm going, that's going to stick with me all day. Fantastic. Is there a, I mean, you're talking about simple ingredients and, uh, or good ingredients and treating them simply. Yeah. Do, do we get drawn into over being over fussy with our food? Well, I think that's the chef's job. And that's what I'm trying to say about, you know, what I like to show people what to do is the chef's job is really to, to you know, be impressive and do things and do little tricks that, that make a difference. Um, but for me, I think taking the, the finest of ingredients and doing very little with them because nature's taking a long time with those ingredients. You know, you watch a tomato grow if you plant them in your garden and you see how incredible they are. Even if I, I'm presently looking at my peonies and I'm, I'm marveling at how incredible they are. And next to them are some, some bright orange poppies which have just come out. And, you know, nature's an incredible thing. So if it takes a farmer three years to grow a piece of beef, then why would I be chopping it up and putting it through a food processor and then adding huge amounts of, you know, other things that don't belong to it? Mm. So for me, cooking that piece of beef, you know, sympathetically. And I remember years ago going to a restaurant and having a Dover sole and not being a massive fish lover and falling in love with fish that day. And that what they'd done was simply taking a tray, heated their oven up really, really high and put on the tray some sprigs of ro rosemary. On top of that, put a Dover sole with a tiny bit of oil and a bit of salt and roasted in this really hot oven for about 10 minutes. And the flavor of the rosemary had permeated the fish, squeezed a bit of lemon juice across the top, and you've got something quite incredible. Mm. So for me, this sort of two, three, four ingredients, I think is, is a marvelous way to cook. I think then trying to combine more than that, I think you've got to be a bit of a master. And, of course, the people of the Indian subcontinent continent are incredible at it, and then a lot of Asian cultures are as well. But for me in Britain, when we've got this fine produce and, and such, you know, amazing weather as we, you know, we've had this year, then take advantage of it. I mean, the soft fruit this year is going to be incredible. The, mm. the blackberry blossoms that are out at the moment are, are abundant. And so, you know, so have been the cherry blossoms and the apple blossoms. So 
So we're going to have an amazing fruit harvest this year. Yeah. You, you mentioned um, ingredients. Is there other particular ingredients you go back to again and again, or is there something particularly which you couldn't do without? If you started to build your ingredients cupboard, what would be the, the top of the list? Well, I, I think that, you know, a block of butter is a, is a pretty important pretty, pretty important thing. Um, you know, I mean, you know, whether it be on a piece of toast or whether it be, you know, a, a knob of butter with some parsley and some garlic chopped through it and put on top of a piece of steak, or whether it be, you know, some butter inside a fry pan with some capers across the tip of the pit top with a bit of fish, or whether it be some chopped up butter and put into a cake or a pudding to make something fine. But, you know, you make a caramel, you add a bit of butter to it and a bit of double cream, you've got butterscotch. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think, you know, you, you, I think butter is pretty important. Um, I, I, I think that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a, an olive oil freak, and I know it's very, very hard to get any British olive oil at all, but I think olive oil is a really fine thing. And cheese. I mean, the cheese of, of this island is so incredible, so absolutely incredible. And whether it be washed rind or a hard cheese or a soft cheese or a double cream cheese, you know, a, a cheese is, is a marvellous, marvellous thing and can be used in, in many guises. And I, I love... I love things that can be both sweet and savoury, you know. So butter, eggs, uh, cheese, you know. I, I think the, the sort of this versatility of these things is, you know, pretty incredible. Mm. John, a lot of young people will be coming to the show, um, possibly because they, they are interested now from having developed a, a love of baking or cooking during the, the pandemic. But some of them will aspire to be in the catering and hospitality industry. What would you say to them? Because it's a tough business, isn't it? I think it is a tough business. However, I think that what you can do is, I think that it's, it's far better, I think, sometimes to observe rather than be immersed. And I'm going to explain that. So as a, as a young person wanting to be a chef, what I did was I started off being a, a, a dishwasher, a kitchen porter. And by doing that, I could actually watch what was going on in the kitchen and I could actually see from afar what was really happening. And I think in a way, sometimes rather than being completely immersed and jumping in the deep end, it's worthwhile going in and working in a kitchen as a kitchen porter and just having a look and seeing if you really like it. Don't commit full time just to start. Give yourself a chance. And maybe, you know, if you decide you want to do front of house, maybe you want to go and work as a bar back and, and you know, understand how a bar works and watch how the waiters work. And necessarily, don't, as I say, don't jump in the, the, the deep end. Give yourself a chance to understand the culture of a, of a restaurant, understand the culture of a kitchen or a restaurant and how it works. And then from there, decide what you might want to do. Because you may decide, although you, you want to be a chef, you may then decide that actually I'd like to be a sommelier or I'd like to be the front of house manager or I might want to go to a hotel and look after the back of house and look after all room service. Because the, the industry itself is an incredible industry with so many varied jobs, but it's not just about chef and waiter. And I'd love people to sort of think about that a little bit more and actually take the time and, and really, really, because I love what I do and I was fortunate enough to, to grow up in a world where people love what I do. And so I, I um, you know, I, I think that just go out and discover it and look at it and maybe have an open mind rather than just thinking, I'm going to be a chef or be a waiter. What would you have done if being a chef and a restaurateur hadn't worked out for you? I think there was probably at times in the early parts of my career where I questioned what I was doing and, you know, was it, was it right that I was doing it? And I did, I mean, I did, um, 
I, I did my apprenticeship um, in Australia, which is four years. You have to do an apprenticeship and you, you go to college while you do that. So it's very practical. And then after that, I then set up my first restaurant at the age of 20. Uh, at the age of 21, I went broke because that's, that's your first university of life lesson. Um, once I did that, then I sort of wandered around and did some stuff in sort of large scale things. And then I moved to a different state in Australia and I, and I became a barman to sort of look at the industry a little bit more. So I suppose there was a, a time where I questioned what I did, but I sort of stayed within the industry and I, I've always loved it. And I, I love people, you know, I love watching people eat. I love people entertaining. I love to talk to people. You know, I think it's an exciting world out there and, you know, conversation is good. And so, you know, good food causes conversation. I think bad food causes gossip, um, as does good uh, bad wine. But, um, I, you know, I think there's there's something, you know, there's something about that that world that I don't think there's anything else for me, really. Um, you know, my career is varied now. I do, you know, I do television. I work with Lisa. You know, I write cookbooks. You know, I'm a writer. I'm a broadcaster. You know, I, I've just been, you know, honoured with an MBE. And, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, my world is very, very different from that that I first started off in. But it is, you know, I, I am at now at 40 years in the industry. I started at, at 17 years old and I'm, I'm turning 57 this year. Mm. Congratulations on your MBE. Uh, I hadn't forgotten. <laughs> I was going to mention it. Uh, congratulations on that. Um, just uh, thinking about... Um, what chefs eat? You're, you're, you operate at the top level. Do you have a, a guilty pleasure? When, when nobody's looking, what, what, what's the thing that you go to? Uh, well, I, I, and I, I have a guilty pleasure, but I don't need to hide it. It's something that's <laughs> well documented and I love it. And I absolutely love a sausage roll. And I love yeah. a sausage roll with any guys. I love an artisan sausage roll. I think that's great. But I also do quite like one which comes from a service station when you, you're on a long trip, you know, and you sort of drive in and it's in a cabinet and it's sort of one of those ones where if you actually sit in the car, you know you're going to get that flaky pastry all over you. <laughs> so, um, but I think that, I mean, there's something about the mixture of buttery pastry and that sort of lovely highly seasoned meat of a sausage that, that I mean, a sausage is a fine thing. I don't care what anybody says. And we're about to embark upon a new series of John and Lisa's where we're, we're doing various things. And one of the shows we're going to specialize in is sausages. But we're going to demonstrate the, the versatility of a sausage. And the first one we're going to do, we're going to drink champagne with it. The second one, we're going to drink cider with it. The, the third one, we're going to drink very, very good red wine with it. Because, you know, a French cassoulet is an amazing thing. You know, marinated sausages you get with different glazes you have at Christmas time, we're going to drink champagne with them. So, so a sausage in pastry, pastry's great, sausages together, put the two together maybe a bit of tomato sauce. I mean, what else do you need? Absolutely. See, this is brilliant because you're you're giving all those people who are frightened about cholesterol levels and salt levels and their weight permission to use butter and eat flaky pastry and sausage rolls. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. 16th to the 19th of June at the NEC in Birmingham is the BBC Good Food Show. Uh, John, where can people get more information and, importantly, book tickets? Okay, so what you need to do, if you want to get tickets, you can go online to www.bbcgoodfoodshow.com forward slash summer forward slash. Fantastic. I'm sure it's going to be an absolutely brilliant show. John, uh, congratulations again on your MBE. Please give all our uh, best wishes to Lisa as well, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you uh, at the NEC in Birmingham. For now, John Tarode, many, many thanks. Thanks very much, and I hope to see everybody there soon. Take great care.